630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. For the 14th time in NHL history, a playoff game has gone past three overtimes. They'll drop the puck on quadruple overtime in a few minutes in Toronto. The Blue Jackets and the Lightning are tied 2-2. The shots are 73-52 in favor of the Lightning. In the first period, Dubois and Point scored. In the second period, Bjorkstrand scored. Early in the third period, Yanni Gord scored for Tampa Bay. 23 seconds into the third. No scoring since then. So quadruple overtime coming up in Toronto. The Flames lead the Stars. I have this one on the tube now in the basement. The Flames lead the Stars 3-2 in the final minute. And Mark Giordano just took a penalty for shooting the puck over the glass. So we have a Dallas power play uh, with 49.3 seconds left in uh, the third period. Derek Laxtall, the former Edmonton Oil Kings head coach, drawing up a play during the timeout. So we'll see if Dallas can tie it up and uh, try to force overtime here in Edmonton. The two other games today, Hurricanes and the Bruins, it was supposed to be starting right now. It'll start sometime in the future <laughs> don't, don't know how long we'll have to wait for that one it will be played um, you know between an hour and an hour and a half after the conclusion of the tampa bay columbus game and the blackhawks and golden knights are scheduled for game one at rogers place starting at 8 30 thanks a lot for tuning in tonight my name is reed wilkins it's inside sports on oilers and ee radio 6 30 chad you can get in touch by calling or texting 780-496-0063 oilers general manager ken holland did his year-end media availability over zoom today a zoomer as i've been calling them and we'll get to some of the key clips from that and uh, have some discussion as we go along certainly a column that mark specter wrote and a question he asked and some discussion he had with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Now earlier today has uh, has uh, people, uh, well, somewhat annoyed and uh, having spirited discussions on social media. And I'm sure it, uh, well, I was going to say it's your water coolers, but I guess maybe a lot of you aren't at work right now. But you know what I'm talking about. They're talking about what Speck wrote. Uh, Dallas with a chance. Wrist shot, 10 seconds left. Cam Talbot makes the save. I want to get, uh, I want to make sure we have a final here. And I'll let you know about that as I know I can hear thunder rolling through my neighborhood as well. Pavelski with a shot. Talbot was all the way across. I mean, we've seen Talbot for Calgary play like the Cam Talbot when he was a big reason the Oilers made the playoffs in 16-17. Just quiet goaltending, getting into position, not swimming around, letting the puck hit him, wrapping it up. And when Talbot was at his best for the Oilers that season, it just seemed like every shot hit him right on that Oilers logo. And he just swallowed it up and he's looked that way. Uh, a lot for the Calgary Flames, and I, I did, again, I didn't get to see a lot of this game because of the. Uh, this was I was going to watch this game, and then with the other game going to overtime, I've watched more of that. But uh, Milan Lucic has looked like the Lucic that the Oilers had in sixteen, seventeen, making some plays and throwing some hits. And as Calgary hangs on to win it, so they take Game One against Dallas, three games to two, and uh, perfect timing to take you back to well, still overtime intermission. Yeah, I was looking at some of these long hockey games. Uh, the longest game ever. Of course, uh, I don't know if anybody watched it that would be around right now. March 24th, 1936, Mud Brunito. The only goal, one nothing victory 
for Detroit over the Montreal Maroons. It came at 1630. Oh, I love this. I'm reading this off, off the web here. I was uh, using this word during the, during the qualifying round of the playoffs for when there were six games in a row. Uh, he got it at 1630 of sextuple overtime. So there was 176 minutes and 30 seconds of gameplay. Obviously, the longest game ever played. Um, yeah, like I said, this is the 14th one to extend past three overtimes. Uh, what do we have recently? Really, the, th- the third longest game ever. Rob Brown played in this one. May 4th, 2000. Flyers over the Penguins 2-1. Just over 92 minutes of overtime. Keith Primo got the game winner. 2003, the, f- the fourth longest game ever. Fifth overtime. Peter Sikora. Anaheim over Dallas 4-3. 2007, Vancouver beat Dallas 5-4. 78 minutes of overtime. Henrik Sedin ended that one in 2008. This is the eighth longest game ever. Uh, Dallas beat San Jose 2-1 on a goal by Brendan Morrow. So a few games from from this century on that list, as uh, we sometimes refer to that as the the dead puck era with some really good goaltending and not as many offensive chances. So anyway, that's the the, the quick update on the overtime, and I, I have it on the tube here if you're driving around. So definitely we'll we'll keep you posted and let you know when there's when there's a game winner. I remember. I remember that Philadelphia Pittsburgh game on May 4th, 2000. I'd only been working in Lloyd Minster for a couple of months and I did two different shifts. Then uh, you would do a television shift where you'd work 10 to seven and you'd go do a story and you'd do some afternoon radio and then you'd anchor the six o'clock sports. The other shift was you do read sports in the morning, I think from five 30 to nine or six to nine or something like that. And uh, then you might go do a TV story in the morning and then you'd read, sports at uh, at noon on the radio and then your day would kind of wrap up and i remember i was doing the morning sports so i tried it I'm, I'm not good with early morning shifts i'm not an early riser so i'd usually nap in the afternoon and then try to get five or six hours of sleep at night and i was watching that game and i finally just reached the point where it's like well i'm just going to stay up till the end of the game and go uh go on uh and just go in tired because i wanted to see the end of the game <laughs> So I don't remember how I felt the next day. Obviously, I made it through, but I remember staying up to watch that one. 780-496-0063. Share Bear has already texted in. Share Bear, just to clarify your text, Camp Talbot was not traded to the Calgary Flames. Camp Talbot was traded to the Philadelphia Flyers by the Oilers, and then he signed uh, as a free agent with the Calgary Flames, just to clarify something that you wrote in. But I do appreciate your text. All right, speaking of goaltending, One of uh, many things Ken Holland discussed today, uh, I asked him about his assessment of the season and for the goalies, they pretty much split time in in the playoffs, not up to par for neither Koskinen nor Smith. And uh, what happens down the road? Here's how Ken replied. First off, I would say to you, my assessment over the regular season, the first 70 games, goaltending was a real strength of ours. I I thought that... uh, and I thought that the coaching staff did a great job. You know, early on it was two, 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 uh, and then and then and then they started to ride one for a while, and then and then they went back, and and, and they both had their opportunities. And like you said, at the end of the at the end of the, they they didn't go one, 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 one. The, the, between Tippett and Schwartz, they kind of sensed when it was time to let one guy run for a little bit, and 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 early in the season they let both guys get into it. Um, you know how in in the playoffs. 
Um, you know, I think you know. You look statistically. I'm not even sure what our what our goals, what our what our saves percentage was. But uh, I thought you know we, we probably the goaltending didn't play as as well for us in the playoffs as it did in the regular season. Again, it's a it's a it's a it's a small window. You're talking four games. Um, and 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 um, you know, going forward, obviously Mike Smith's an unrestricted free agent. Um, Koski has two more years to go on his contract. Um, we just, the season just ended on, uh, Friday, you know, we had, uh, exit meetings with the players on Saturday and, you know, got out of the bubble Saturday night. And I'm just starting to, um, yesterday obviously was the, um, the lotto. So now we're over the next, um, few weeks. Um, uh, I don't sense that there's going to be a ton of trades around the league in the in the neck in the short little time here moves i think you know that it's, it's much like you know it's like may of the hockey season it's, it's it's a normal may there's you know we're, we're a month six weeks out from or, or or late april after you've lost in the first round of the playoffs there's a time here to, to kind of evaluate and then decide what direction we're going to go i don't you know probably our best young goaltender is Stuart skinner i think he needs to be in the American League next year, he needs to really establish himself um, as the number one goaltender in the American Hockey League, playing on an every night basis. He's got a lot of talent. He's a big guy, six foot four. He takes up a lot of space. Um, had, uh, thought it was he struggled the first half of the year, and, and then went down to the East Coast League for a couple of games. I think he got blown out one game, and then bounced back. Was first started the next game, and then went back to Bakersfield and played good the second half of the year. So we need him to to build off that. So obviously, we have to decide whether we're going to re-sign Mike Smith or or look at other alternatives. And that's what I got to decide here over the next um, few weeks. All right, so that's Ken Holland uh, with a pretty detailed answer on the goaltending. He got a little bit off topic, but he came back and talked about Stuart Skinner. So, I mean, a clear identification of who the Oilers are hoping is their, well, maybe not their next number one goaltender, but a homegrown starting goaltender. They haven't really had one of those since Devin Dubnik. And uh, just when he was showing signs of life, he had a really poor half season under Dallas Akins as the head coach and got traded to uh, Nashville and bounced around before really uh, revitalizing his career with Minnesota Wild. Anyway, that's ancient history. Uh, so, but but like Hall instead, Stewart, they want Stuart Skinner to be uh, a, a bona fide starter, everyday guy, reliable guy in the American Hockey League before you consider making him the National Hockey League goaltender. And, and even then, he probably comes up and, and is a backup or a 1A before he takes the reins. Mike Smith, uh, you know, I thought he gave the Oilers everything he had. He had some really good games throughout the season. He had a tough, uh, I, I mean, really after he had that awesome game in Pittsburgh, most of November and most of December, he wasn't that great. I, I thought he was quite good in January and February, and that was enough in Tippett's mind to get him the start in game one of the postseason. The Oilers played quite poorly in front of them, and Smith uh, couldn't make enough saves, and you know what happened in that game. Mike Smith, 38 years of age, I... Can you really bring Smith back at this point for another year? I don't know if that's viable. But here, here's the tough spot, and, and we're going to talk about other aspects to the team and, and like we did yesterday, and there are a lot of things to break down and a lot of shortcomings and a lot of reasons for um, why the Oilers weren't able to win against Chicago and, and why they're – like I said, I, I've said all year, I think they're a good team. They're not a great team. There are a lot of good teams in the NHL. I mean, some teams that – 
probably would have missed the playoffs otherwise that have now won qualifying rounds are are good teams. So I, I think we got to recognize the strengths that the Oilers have, but the weaknesses is too. And look, there is no position in hockey that is transformative as goaltending, that can have an impact on the game as goaltending. And obviously there are some great players in the league. McDavid, Dreisaito, Crosby, Kane, McKinnon, Panarin, players who can just put up points. And you love to have those players on the team, and they make a huge difference. And the Oilers having McDavid and Dreisaitl has made a huge difference. But there's no position in hockey that can either win games single-handedly and and I think you know what I'm I'm meaning by single-handedly. That sure it's it's a team sport, but can, that an individual that can have as massive an impact on a game as as a starting goaltender, as a hot goaltender, as a goaltender who year after year is one of the best in the league. Lundqvist in his prime, you know, Price. And sure, I know some years he's not looked as good as others, but how he's been uh, for the last decade or so. Th- those types of goaltenders. So. We'll definitely discuss other areas of of the Oilers where they're deficient and they need to improve. But here's my question to you long-term. If Smith isn't back, to me, Koskinen is a a pretty good NHL backup. Like, I I think he can play 30, low 30s games. And if if he's that guy, then you're you're probably in not too bad a shape. But who's the other guy going to be this upcoming season? Okay, so unrestricted free agents, assuming that they're even available. Holtby, Crawford, Leonard, Craig Anderson, Jimmy Howard, Markstrom. I mean, I'm sure Vancouver is going to try to do everything to keep him. Players like that. So do you go and try to sign a guy like that? Do you make a trade for somebody who's been kind of maybe either a career backup or a career 1A and hope he... um, you know, I don't know, turns into Darcy Kemper or some things Reimer's able to do. Like just, you know, guys who've never been star goaltenders but can still be pretty good. And to me, that's still – I would still identify that as the biggest priority for the Oilers. And now how do you get that? If you have a number one goaltender, you are not trading him. I mean, if I had a pure star goaltender, probably would not trade him for anything because if you don't get the stops, you don't have a chance. So – you know, Holland praised the guys, uh, the two guys for the regular season. I, I think that's fair. There certainly were some down times, but I think we got to recognize there were some pretty good streaks by both goaltenders. And in the playoffs, ultimately the Oilers were out goaltended. Now I know it's you know only four games, but Crawford. I, I'm not saying the Oilers goaltending lost them the season, but it did, did lost them the series, but it didn't win them a game in the series. And by the end of the day, Corey Crawford flat out won the Chicago Blackhawks a game in that series and prevented it from going to game five. All right, down in a heap with Kucherov. The puck's on the far wall. The Blue Jackets cannot get it out. They are scrambling a bit inside of their own zone right now. And here's a centering attempt and another save is made by Corpusalo. Another huge save is made by Corpusalo. A little bit from uh, Dave Mishkin, the Tampa Bay Lightning Radio Network. Eunice Corpusalo, what is he up to now? He's up to 77 saves. Shots are 79-55 for the Lightning, 12-40 left in the fourth overtime as it continues to pass uh, a few games for the longest in NHL history. What are we up to now? 
60, what would this be, about 68 minutes of overtime, Kellen? So yes. just my quick math here, it makes it the 11th longest game in NHL history. And there's a couple in the 68-69 minute range, so it could very quickly move up to uh, eighth or even seventh if it gets past the halfway point the, of this overtime. Yeah, Reed, the most notable game that ended within the 60 to 70 minute of overtime uh, time frame that everybody would know would be that Easter epic way back in 87. Kelly Rudy's game. Yeah, the uh, Islanders beating the Rangers 3-2 in a divisional semifinal. Pat LaFontaine with the winner. Yeah, Kelly Rudy was the goalie in that game for the Islanders. We talk about that one periodically. He joins us weekly here on Inside Sports. I think we're going to connect with him Thursday. So, uh, pretty thrilling game. That one in Toronto. Flames beat the Stars 3-2 to go up 1-0 in that best of seven. Rasmus Anderson with the goal that turned out to be the game winner at 16:01 of the second period. Hurricanes and Bruins at some point, and Blackhawks and Golden Knights 8:30 at uh, Rogers Place. Uh, Keith says, if Carey Price was an oiler, we would have traded him only to see him emerge again somewhere else. I wish you guys would get off the goaltending. I would take Koskinen and Smith in the next season all day long. Carey Price wouldn't have done much better behind the Oilers against Chicago. Well, I completely disagree, Keith. I think Carey Price is a better goaltender than both uh, Mike Smith and uh, Miko Koskinen. And uh, I am going to talk about other things besides the goaltender as we go along, but that's the topic I, uh, I started on tonight. I think there's a few things to discuss. RCN says, I'm not sold. Oh, hey, RCN, how are you? Nice to hear from you. He says, I'm not sold. Vancouver re-signs Markstrom. They won't want to lose Demko in expansion. And will Markstrom sign a deal without a new, no move, knowing he'd probably be one and done in Vancouver and off to an expansion team? Not too sure. Yeah, fair point there from RCN. Um... Rocket says the hit on Gerby by McDonough will cost him one game for sure. Same hit as Kajula. Yeah, that just happened during the commercial. Ryan McDonough with uh, looked like a headshot on Nathan Gerby. I just caught the replay once, but it looked like he was up high. Gerby's gone to the dressing room, I think, for the concussion protocol. So that could very well be a suspension for sure. The Big L says, hypothetical, I believe it's very likely the Oilers would have been a playoff team the past few years had they selected Kachuk instead of Pugliarvi. Top six player, tenacious, loves to engage at the margins of what is or what is not a penalty, something Edmonton clearly lacks. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I, you know, I think from the past 10 years, first round picks that you could kind of regret for the Oilers. Uh, and now, a lot of teams would have taken Pugliarvi there, but Kachuk's obviously, well, he's in the NHL for one thing. And then you could even go back to, to Yakupov with all the defensemen there. What if the Oilers had traded down and just took a defenseman? But anyway, that's uh, that's all hindsight. More from Ken Holland as we move along. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Just on the scoreboard in Toronto, the NHL posted it's time for the seventh period stretch as they do the ice scrape in the fourth overtime period. Eight minutes to go, 2-2 Columbus and Tampa Bay. It's time for the seventh period stretch. That's pretty good. What an epic game. This has just been a beauty to watch. We'll keep you updated. Uh, Somebody will win eventually, in theory. At Edmund, in Edmonton this afternoon, the Flames beat the Stars 3-2. And uh, Blackhawks and Golden Knights will play at 8.30. And as we've talked about, Carolina and Boston will play at some point 
today or tomorrow. Whenever Carol, whenever Columbus and uh, Tampa Bay ends, what a game! So we're now uh, past. What are we at? Uh, we're we're at seventy three minutes of overtime. So it's the seventh longest game in NHL history. Mm-hmm. Needs to get past seventy eight oh six to pass Dallas and Vancouver from April of twenty seventeen. So uh, there you have it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Teflon Don writes in, he says, Hey, Reed, I can't help but think that the Oilers would have done some damage in the playoffs had COVID never happened. After all, they were building momentum. People shouldn't read too much into an early exit. They should stay the course. That is from Teflon Don. Yeah, Teflon, it's it's such a strange time. I I would agree that, that you don't want to overreact if you're Ken Holland and the Oilers. I, I will say this. I, I think that for Edmonton, all the the weaknesses that we, we thought they had were readily apparent against Chicago, and unfortunately not enough of the strengths were. I mean, look, we, we discussed the future of the goaltending even during the regular season. Uh, we discussed the, the depth and the depth scoring even during the regular season, and it was certainly improved over the last couple of years. Uh, and we discussed, do they have enough, you know, really solid puck-moving defensemen to go deep? So, yeah, I, I think that's a good point. I, I don't think you want to overreact, and I don't think you – I mean, if I've had a couple of people over the last couple of days just going after Oscar Clefbaum on the text line. Look, if you, don't, if you don't like a certain player or like his game, that's fine. I accept that, but I think from an Oilers perspective – they think Oscar Clefbaum is a pretty good player. He didn't have a great series, so I don't think they're going to write him off uh, after having a tough series against the Blackhawks. I appreciate your perspective there, Teflon Don. 780-496-0063 to call or text. All right, you may have you may have seen Mark Spector's column on sportsnet.ca and some of the other discussion on Twitter on Oilers Now earlier today. So let's just clarify here and play the answer from Ken Holland. And Speck said, I'll paraphrase his question. Do McDavid and Dreisaitl have to show more commitment defensively? Here's what Holland said. The answer to Mark, the answer would be yes, but I saw that happening. I I would say to you, and that's why, you know, we talked about Leon here five minutes ago. And I thought that, you know, in the month of November, you know, Leon's plus minus was, but, but, but the second half of the year, they, they, and that, that was one of the things that we talked about in the exit meeting with, with Leon um, Saturday morning in the, before we left the hub, um, Dave Tippett and I, and I talked, I talked about, I remember one night in, um, in Carolina in March or late, late February, and there's a puck turned over and how Leon uh, buried his head and he, 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 he cut, it was a two on one and he ended up killing the, killing the two on one just out of sheer determination to, uh, to back check and to, uh, to, to, to play defense. So they are getting better. They are getting better. But I also think that in this playoff series, we were playing against battle test we were playing against players. Some players there had won three Stanley Cups. They they had to learn. They had to learn that too. And we're learning it. We're and, I, and you're focusing on the two guys, but certainly our entire team. We're we're learning. We, we are learning that defense is as important as offense in terms of going for long long p- playoff runs. 
Okay, so there's the quote from Holland. Maybe you heard it earlier. Maybe you maybe you've read it, but there's the the context and the full clip, and you, you kind of hear Ken Holland's tone and cadence as he's saying that. I I took that to be pretty honest, where he said, "Yes, they they have to show more commitment defensively," but he thinks they are improving, and will continue to improve. Um, you know, there's been a lot of stuff today. Well, Speck's blaming the two best players for the loss. I don't know if that's what Speck need, means exactly. Speck needs to write a column. That was the story angle he took today. So, you know, he's that's how he chose to do his job today. I'm not going to criticize that. Um, I don't think Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are the primary reason that the Oilers still aren't playing in the postseason. Look, does especially McDavid, does he cost the the Oilers goals defensively sometimes because of fly buys in the defensive zone he does he has to get better at stopping on the puck I think any NHL player any pro athlete is uh is is open to criticism from observers even if he is exceptional and in this market the Oilers are the number one story by far most days so his play is going to be discussed but I don't think Connor McDavid uh, not being a great checker or Guy Carbono defensively is the reason the Oilers aren't playing. And I actually think Dreisaitl is, is pretty good in that part of his game. I mean, he's not mistake free, but but uh, I, I think that he's I think he's better than, than McDavid in, in his own end. So do they have to work on that? Sure, they do. But to me, discussing that, at least for me, discussing that, it's worth mentioning. We discuss almost every part of the team. But that's not the primary reason the Oilers lost. I, I mean, sure, you'd like to see them improve. And like Holland said, they had, and he, and he touched on it there, a lot of it is team defense too. I, I mean, the Blackhawks had a lot of open players in the slot for tip-ins and redirections and open chances when McDavid and Dreisaitl weren't on the ice in this series as well. They did, they did not defend very well as a team overall. And as we talked about earlier, they didn't get enough saves. So there you go. That's, uh, that's the clarification there. B Money says, we've been talking about goaltending and puck-moving defensemen since 2006. When is enough enough? Well, I don't know. You'll have to tell me. Only you can decide when enough is enough for you, B Money. But I appreciate you asking. 780-496-0063. Mossy says, I just didn't see the drive against the Hawks. We do need a solid goalie that can start. All in all, we have a great team. Well, again, I don't think the Oilers have a great team. I think they have a good team, and, and I think they need a few pretty key improvement in some key areas to be a great team, and those are probably going to be the hardest things to get. I already touched on the goaltending. They do need another defenseman or two who can really transition the puck. I touched on this yesterday. Why did Ethan Bear come in and, and have a good season and look good? Because he can go back, he can get the puck, and he can make a quick little pass under pressure to get the puck going the other way. We, we don't really talk about Ethan Bear's defending that often. And I know I'm not saying he's a bad defender. I don't think he's a great defender. I think he's, he's probably a good defender when it comes to stopping the cycle and doing things like that. But often when Ethan Bear is able to get the puck, it is going the other way. Hopefully Broberg brings that. Hopefully Bouchard brings that. Again, those are players who are probably two or three years away from really making an impact on the Oilers lineup. Ken Holland said on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer earlier today that Bouchard uh, closer to being an Oiler next year simply because he's older. So you see, what, what did, what did uh, Corey Hurst say on the show last night talking about the Canucks? He said Quinn Hughes was the main reason the Canucks won the series. Well, what does Quinn Hughes do? 
goes back quickly, gets the puck, and gets it going in the right direction. You know, good passer, good skater, gets it out of the zone. Kale McCarr, great example for Colorado as well. Those two guys are up for rookie of the year. They can go back, they can get the puck, and they can get it going in the other direction so you don't have to defend as much and there's less stress on your defenders and less stress on your goaltender. So absolutely, the the, the Oilers need that. I mean, B-Money is right. These are decade, if not longer, concerns for Edmonton. Now, by the same token, like I said, I don't think you want to give up on what you have. You hope you can develop some of these players and the pieces start to fall into place where everybody is slotted correctly. Darnell nurse certainly divides a lot of people. Look, Darnell nurse is an NHL defenseman. What have we seen with nurse though, over the last three years with the Oilers, when he starts to play more minutes than he's comfortable with, his play starts to decline. You know, he's probably a second or even third pairing left shot defenseman. And that's what he can handle. You know, he, he can skate. He plays with some tenacity. His, uh, you know, he's not a great passer when he gets on the attack. So, you know, what if there were someone uh, on the Oilers who could take a couple minutes away, away from Darnell Nurse or he didn't have to be out in as many offensive situations? That's what we're talking about. Buns from the Electron Factory. Now, th- there's no way this person has texted me before because I would remember that name. Buns from the Electron Factory wins the award for handle of the night. We'll have to put him on the canned ham list, Kellen. Uh, added. <laughs> He's duly added. Noted. Buns says, I wish you could take Chris Russell's brain and put it in Nurse's head. Nurse has million-dollar talent and 10-cent hockey sets. I just wish the Oilers had played the whole series like the last eight minutes of Game 4. Well, that's an ongoing theme, too, and Holland said it today. Well, Holland said he really regretted Game 1. He he didn't criticize Games 2, 3, and 4 as much. I, I do think there are areas of those games that can be criticized, but he basically said they were not ready to play. They came out like they wanted to wade their way into the series. And Chicago came out playing like it was it was do or die right from the opening faceoff. That surprised me a little bit because the Oilers overall this season, I, they were a pretty good first period team and they, they actually scored their fair share of early goals. And even in the exhibition game against Calgary, they came out and played pretty intense and owned the first period. And that put Calgary behind the eight ball. And I know Calgary played better after that, but still Edmonton had the lead. So that surprised me. Edmonton was so tentative out of the gate against Chicago and then turned it on when, I mean, it's great. They turned it on when it was desperate, but then if you lose game four to a hot goal, you're out as opposed to going to a game five. Al says, hopefully Connor McDavid learned something from playing a four game series against Jonathan Taves. Great guy to model your game after. Yeah. You saw a lot of the little things Taves does well in that series, winning faceoffs. He can finish plays. He's willing to one-time pucks, all those types of things that, that make him valuable. 780-496-0063. All right. Uh, coaching another area. I, I thought Tippett had a great season, but you know, I've been critical of a couple of the decisions in this series. Ken Holland will respond to that when we get back. Okay, it's 
now the uh, fifth longest game in NHL history. It's the intermission. What would this be? The seventh intermission? I don't know. The fifth overtime's coming up. It's 2-2, Tampa Bay and Columbus. An absolutely epic game. Uh, John Shannon tweeting out, Bruins-Canes has been rescheduled 11 a.m. tomorrow, so they're not just going to make them play late. Wise. Very wise decision. Uh, That's 11 a.m. Eastern. 11 a.m. Eastern. So uh, 9 a.m. here in Edmonton. So you can watch at work, or if you're uh, not working in the morning, you can get up and watch. There you go. NHL PR putting this out three minutes ago. Due to the length of the Lightning Blue Jackets game, game one between the Bruins and Canes, originally scheduled for 8 Eastern today, has been rescheduled for Wednesday, August 12th at 11 a.m. Eastern. So there you have it. Hopefully this game is done by then. It won't be delayed again. (laughs) This is crazy. Uh, The Flames beat the Stars 3-2. I was planning on watching that game. I didn't watch much of it because I wanted to watch the overtimes that are still going on. So Hurricanes and Bruins are now tomorrow. Blackhawks and Golden Knights 8-30 at Rogers Place. This texture says, uh, Oilers fans need to be careful with running down Darnell Nurse. Seems similar to what we did with Petrie. Nurse is good value for comparables with more upside and grit and nastiness than Petrie at the same point. We will regret losing Nurse before that maturity of the game kicks in. I, I think that texture reaches a good point, and I know you as fans are, are frustrated when the Oilers uh, lose, and obviously they had, well, I mean, it's rare for them to, need, to even play playoff games, so that was another level of frustration. But I I think, and and I've said this before, it's one of my themes over the years, sometimes you have to look at what a player is and what he isn't. Because if you use perfection as the standard, no player is going to be good enough. And and yes, Darnell Nurse has deficiencies and and Oscar Clefbaum and any player, but that doesn't mean you say, well, he's not not a 10 out of 10 player, he's not a 9 out of 10, so we got to get rid of him. You got to recognize what they can do and how the how as a whole they can fit together. I mean, think if this defense still had Jeff Petrie anywhere, put him anywhere on the defense. You know, that's a that's a better hockey team right there. So, you know, I I I don't I I know sometimes as I know as fans you can be very emotional, but it's not always all or nothing with a player. And sometimes it's having the right players around them and putting them in a situation where they can they can best use their strength. Yakushev says, so if we break down the Oilers' future, all they need is a goalie, two defensemen that are better than what they have now, a third line, and if the coaching continues the way it did against Chicago, that's also up for debate. What year is it, says Yakushev. Well, I know it sounds similar to other years, but they certainly are better when I started. I remember in in 2014-15, during that season, before they, they won the draft lottery and they were having another terrible year, Rob Brown and I got talking about how many players they needed to change just to make the playoffs. And we said at least 10, but probably as many as 14, like that just didn't belong in the NHL and that the Oilers needed to to replace just to make the postseason. Well, again, this year, I do think the Oilers are a good team. They did not play up to their potential against Chicago. Um, but I think most of the players on the roster belong in the National Hockey League, but they they certainly would like to upgrade some spots. Dave Tippett criticized for starting Mike Smith in game one, also for breaking up the line of Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, and Yamamoto. Ken Holland was asked about his head coach. When you lose a series, um, 
One of the things that I enjoyed most about the Stanley Cup championships was there was none of the, there was nothing to second guess. So if you don't win the Stanley Cup championship, if you're not the last team standing, the nature of professional sports is when you've got passionate fans, and that's that's a great thing. We want passionate fans. If if people didn't care, then then it would be a different game. So when you've got, and we're going to be second guessed, and I think that's the that's the nature of the of the of the the, the beauty of the of, of, of the of the sports business. So um, we second guess ourselves. You know, we you know you you do things and you or you know you. I don't want to say second guess, but you evaluate, you know, you make decisions today based upon all the information at hand, and then you go out and then, and then you get, we down the road, you get to look back and say, what I, what I, what did I miss or what I do it differently? And you just need to make way more decisions that work out, but, but you're going to make some decisions, whether you're a head coach, whether you're a general manager, whether you're a player, you're going to make some players, some decisions that don't work out, but you, you got to make way more decisions that work out than don't work out. I thought I thought when you analyze when I analyze Dave Tippett, I, I thought we made great progress this year. Uh, we got way more progress we want to make, but I think he was a big piece of the progress. I thought that um, getting to work with him every day, um, he builds. You know, he communicates. He builds relationships. He's got a real good relationship with with the top players. He communicates with them. Um, I thought that. Um, you know, we've talked about the goaltending, the way he had the plan was early in the season to, you know, we, he got both goalies in it. He kept both goalies. I thought, I thought he, he had all the players feel that they had a little piece of the pie. They all had a little, you know, they had some, somewhere on the penalty kill and, and they all, he, he keeps everybody feeling like they've got, they've got, they've got stock in the company and 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 I and 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 I think that's really important as a as a head coach so um you know when you lose out you know obviously some of the decisions I made some of the decisions that tip made they didn't work out um and certainly we know we're going to be open for um for second guessing or criticism that's 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 a part of being involved in pro if you don't want to be second guessed we should get out of pro sports and we should go find something else to do so um that's a good thing that's not a bad thing that means that your fan base has passion your fan base cares and they want you to do better and i think that's fuel for us to um and motivation for us to try to do better for them next year all right, so uh, Ken Holland didn't specifically get into those criticisms of Tippett. He just said, when you lose, you're going to be second-guessed, and that's part of life in pro sports and, and pretty complimentary of his coach, and that's one thing that Tippett has talked about and certainly other people have said about him, that he's very good at, uh, at building relationships. I do think it was quite a good year for the Oilers coaching staff. A couple of questionable decisions in the playoffs that didn't turn out. Tyson Nash from the Coyotes. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.